Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we have a message entitled Motivation and Movement, the Spirituality of Christ. We are looking at the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus talks about three aspects that are common in religion and spirituality, doing good to others, prayer, and spiritual disciplines, and how when these come from the right motivation, they can be very helpful, but how the wrong motivation or doing these in an external way really doesn't do us any good. So let's go to talk North Shore Vineyard Church, downtown Covington. Thanks for listening. So this is from the message uh, translation by Eugene Peterson, and um, Matthew 6, this is actually from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says this, be, careful, be especially careful when you are trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. And when you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You've seen them in action, I'm sure, play actors I call them, treating prayer meeting and street corner alike as a stage, acting compassionate as long as someone is watching, playing to the crowds. They get applause, true, but that's all they get. When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks. Just do it quietly and unobtrusively. That is the way your God who conceived you in love works behind the scenes, helps you out. And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and as honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are, set the world right Do what's best, as above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're a blaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) In prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness for God, for instance, from God, for instance, without forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. When you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God, don't make a production out of it. It may turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, act normally outwardly. Shampoo and comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face. God doesn't require attention-getting devices. And he won't overlook what you are doing. He will reward you well.
How many of y'all remember the Cosby show? If you were over a certain age, back in the 80s, you watched the Cosby show. Everybody did. It was the number one show in America like for five years in a row. The only show that's ever been like the number one show five years in a row. And it was revolutionary in so many different ways. Uh, it was the first sitcom to feature a, a wealthy upper class uh, black family. You know, Mr. Huxtable, played by Bill Cosby, was an obstetrician, and his wife Clara was an attorney, and, and they lived in a brownstone in, in, in New York City. And it was a great show because not only was it funny, as you would expect a sitcom to be, but it also dealt with a lot of difficult issues. Like what happens when you find out one of your kids has dyslexia or uh, you know, one of their friends gets pregnant, a teenager. And so it was a really great, this was before sitcoms got all cynical the way they did you know, in the 90s with Married with Children and, and uh, The Simpsons and stuff like that. It was very you know, about family and stuff like that. And coming out of the, you know, the Cosby show really cemented Bill Cosby in the imagination of, of culture as this person who was an advocate for taking responsibility for yourself. You think we can shut that door? It's getting a little loud out there. I'm sorry. I like the fresh air, but. Ah, oh, that's better. Um, but Bill Cosby came out, he, he, he became cemented in the imagination of Americans as this person who cared about, you know, walking in integrity, taking responsibility, showing other people respect. He was an advocate for the arts, particularly jazz. Uh, and not only did you have the Cosby show, he, he did the Jell-O Pudding Pops commercials, remember those? And he did a little cartoon called Little Bill, and, and kids say the darndest things. And, and Bill Cosby was kind of this like, like upstanding person that we all you know, would look up to, which made it so unbelievable in 2014 when all these accusations against Bill Cosby began to come to the light that he had uh, drugged multiple women and sexually assaulted them. And I remember when those accusations first came, I don't know if you were like me, but I'm like, no way. It can't, it's not true. This is just somebody's trying to get some money from Bill Cosby because they, they don't like his success or something like that. Except after the first round of women, you know, began to be made public in two, 2014, other women started coming forward. It, it, at the end, it ended up being over 30 women who accused him of sexual assault. He went to court and, and was found guilty on many charges and went to prison last year. Bill Cosby. Like, there's so many things, like, back in the 80s, we could have never seen. Like, Bill Cosby would be in prison and Donald Trump would be the president. It's, it's a weird world. <laughs> Nobody could have seen that coming. <laughs> and yet, here we are. After Bill Cosby comes into the light for, for many of these not good things. Uh, we saw the Me Too movement over the last year and a half or two begin to come forward. And so much of the Me Too movement actually started in Hollywood as well. Now it's gone on to, to reach into media and the church and all kinds of different places. And it's, it's really a sad time to, to see how many women have been have, have faced sexual abuse and really creepy stuff from guys that's that's a much needed correction in our world but 
I think it's interesting when it comes to particularly people like Bill Cosby and other Hollywood actors who have been uh, exposed for these kinds of things because we have an assumption when you see somebody who is a good actor, we forget that they make their living pretending to be something that they're not, right? You watch a good actor, especially if they're really good at doing what they're doing and they make the character believable, we tend to assume they're not even acting. This is who they really are. (laughs) And then we find out, no, it's not who they were at all. They're not like the person they portray in the movies. They got some real issues. I say all that because... Jesus, throughout the Gospels, his favorite, his most used term to refer to the, to the Pharisees is play actors. Now, you may say, I've never read that in my Bible. Well, I mean, if you read like the NIV or King James, you're not going to see play actors. You'll see the word hypocrite. But the word hypocrite actually comes from an ancient Greek word, which just meant play actors. So if you were growing up in... Athens in 300 BC, and you've been working all week. You're like, what am I going to do on a Friday night in Athens? Oh, well, I hear the hypocrites are doing a production of Homer's Odyssey. Let's go watch that. And it wasn't a derogatory thing any more than saying somebody's a Hollywood actor now. I mean, that may be derogatory in some circles, but... But you would go watch the hypocrites. And hypocrite just meant somebody in in ancient Greece, they would actually get on stage and they would put on a mask and they would pretend to be something that they're not. And when the, the, the production was done, everybody would give them applause. Jesus, in this passage, he is dealing with spirituality and our tendency as human beings to play act. We all do it, don't we? Oh, come on. Let's get real, folks. We all act like something we're not a lot of the time, right? I mean, have you ever seen somebody video a fight between, you know, an argument they're having with their spouse or their kid and then put it up on Facebook? You ever see that? I haven't. (laughs) Now, sometimes there's somebody else who's filming the video and they post it. I... I can't remember ever seeing a time where, you know, a woman has, you know, done a selfie first thing in the morning, you know, their hair's all messed, no makeup, not dressed, and they, I'm going to post this on Facebook. No. (laughs) People, when they want to post a selfie, they want to make sure that that the angle's perfectly right. They want to catch the the, the best angle for viewing my face and, and want the lighting just right. And then, you know, you may Photoshop it a little bit, run it through a filter. By the time it ends up on Instagram, it looks like something out of a magazine. And we would like people to think that this is is how life is. And look at the food I eat. It's always gourmet food. It's always just arranged perfectly. I just live this charmed life. (laughs) We like people to think that about us. But the reality is we're just acting. And, you know, hey, that's not the worst thing in the world. Except when it comes to spirituality. And Jesus, in these passages, he's dealing with some of the aspects of religion. You know, I've been, I've been thinking a lot the last few months um, about the difference between 
mysticism, and religion. And they're, and they're both necessary parts. There are some people who are drawn into this. I'm going to buy a new mic next week. This thing is revolting. Come out. Uh, ever since we had that table night where I was praying and the power went out, we had to do candlelight. Yeah. <laughs> um, where was I? Uh, mysticism and religion. Mysticism, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, maybe a word you don't toss around much, but a mystical experience just speaks of having an experience with the divine. That experience could be in contemplation. It could be in reading the word. It could be more of a charismatic kind of experience where you feel the power of God come on you in a, in a powerful way and you may, you know, physically shake under the power of God or something. I mean, I've, I've had multiple different kinds of mystical experiences. Those are, are hugely important. Religion, though, is the practices that we employ to integrate the mystical experience. So the, the things like prayer and giving and, and the disciplines that we participate in, taking communion, worshiping together, that's, that's along the lines of religion. And really, you need both of these aspects. People who just do a bunch of things but never actually have an experience of God it's just, it gets, it's, it's lifeless. But the same thing is, I've seen plenty of people who go after the mystical side and they have no use for anything that, that smacks of religion at all and they just become untethered and go off into the clouds. And you know, I've, I've seen these people over and over. I've, I've actually been that person before. You know, you look at them like, what's going on? And their eyes are all glazed over and they're just on another planet. <laughs> <laughs> But Jesus is encouraging us in these words to use these religious practices in a way that open us up to an experience of God. But one of the things that we have to deal with first is our tendency to play act, our tendency to do things for the approval of other people. So Jesus says, and, and look, Jesus doesn't criticize doing good or prayer or even fasting. He doesn't criticize those things. Those can be very helpful if you're coming from the right motivation. If you do something good and you don't post it on Facebook, does it count? <laughs> yes. See, the Pharisees, it's not that they were doing bad stuff. I mean, they were doing, their beliefs were not crazy. They weren't heretics. They, they were very serious about following God, except so much of their religion had just become about virtue signaling. You know, I'm going to wear this thing, and I'm going to take this stance on this issue, and it's going to get me points in my group. People are going to think that I'm awesome, and I'm spiritual, and I'm intellectual, and I've got it all together. And for the Pharisees, this, isn't, this wasn't just their beliefs. It included the way they dressed. They were known for wearing these elaborate robes with broad phylacteries. And they would, you know, wear these. They would actually take a bit of the word of God and stick it to their head. So, like, you could see these are spiritual dudes. But Jesus is saying... Just like the play actors down at the Acropolis in Athens. I guess that's where they acted. I don't know. But he's saying, 
the reward you get when you do spirituality to appeal to your group, when you take stances on issues just because it gets you points with your group, when you do things that, that puff up your ego and make you look cool to other people, intellectual, like you got all the answers and you're doing this thing. When that is your sole motivation, guess what? The only reward you get is, yay, wow, you're so spiritual, you're so smart, you're so clever. That's the reward you get. And if that's the reward you're after, then that's fine. <laughs> But Jesus is calling us to a different place. So he says, when you do something, when you want to do something good, doing something good is good. (laughs) But when you do something good for other people, you don't have to announce it. And and, in fact, it's better not to. (laughs) It's better, and how's he say it? He says, it's better when you want to do good for somebody else to do it the way God does good for you. Does God announce every time he does something good for you? No. God supplies your needs behind the scenes. God is working in your life, giving you grace. You're here this morning because God has blessed you, and he didn't make a big production out of it. He just blesses you in the secret. Jesus says, when you set about to do good, just do good without making a big deal about it. That actually changes you. (laughs) That actually forms you. And Jesus says, when you, when you go to pray, we can play act before God too, can't we? You know, God's not impressed by that. <laughs> when you pray, realize that you have a temptation to play act before other people and before God. I got to tell you, as a, as a pastor, I've been to a lot of prayer meetings and gatherings with pastors, but honestly, I don't like going to most of those. You get a bunch of pastors in the room and it comes time for somebody to pray, to, to, to pray. Oftentimes, gosh, it's just, uh, if you get a sermon in a prayer, you ever heard those? You, you never, <laughs> you may have a certain relative in your family that it's their turn to pray at Thanksgiving and instead of just blessing the food so you can get on with it, you know, because it's three o'clock in the afternoon and you're hungry. They, 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 this is going to, now they're going to, they're going to pray a message. They're going to point out all the evils in society and the evils with the people at the table before they get to, <laughs> and thank you God that I'm not like Sarah over here. I wasn't pointing out it, the real Sarah in this room. Okay. <laughs> Jesus says, realize we all have the temptation we all, we all want to play act. We all want to impress people. We all want to impress God. Just do away with that. And Jesus says, the way you do away with that is just go to a place where there's not a bunch of people around and be with God. And I think even, I think even just being with God, that's the place to start. It's not even to come with a list of all the things in the world that I need to pray about. I think that the main thing with prayer is to learn how to just sit and be quiet with God. I know this is revolutionary. I know it sounds impossible. It sounds crazy. Put the phone up, put the laptop up, turn off Netflix, turn off the radio, turn off the podcast, and just be quiet for 20 minutes and sit with God, reflect on God. I can't tell you how many times in my life where I get so overwhelmed with anxiety or get in my own ego and I'm, I'm feeling the pressure to, to, to make everything work or trying to impress people and stuff. And, you know, sometimes the best thing I can do is just stop doing anything 
and just go sit on my back porch and look at squirrels and be quiet and talk simply to the Lord. Or else, you know, another place I like to pray, I mean, there's some people around, but if people start walking up, I just get out my phone like I'm talking on the phone and I'm talking to God. I'll go out on the trace, you know, and I'll go take a walk and I'll just, I'll just talk to the Lord. And it's just natural, not trying to impress anybody with how spiritual I am, because it's not about anybody else. It's about my connection with God. And then Jesus gets around to fasting. You know, we're coming up on Lent in a couple of weeks. And, you know, a lot of times people, you know, in the, in the history of the church, Lent is a time where a lot of people will fast because it's a time of remembering like when Jesus was in the wilderness. It's a time of reflecting on the passion of Christ, the suffering of Jesus. It's, it's kind of the dark side of Christianity. So sometimes people will choose to, you know, fast something. Like, I'm going to fast social media. I'm going to let everybody know. I'm fasting social media for all of Lent. And then when Lent's over, I'm going to write a blog about how hard it was and everything I learned. It was so tough, man. I didn't think I could do it. I gave up Facebook and Twitter for like six weeks. It was so amazing. So amazing. (laughs) Jesus says, even when it comes to fasting... (laughs) Don't do it like, like somebody comes up and like, dude, you got the flu? No, man. I've been fasting for like three days, man. Fasting like not eating anything? No, man. I gave up chocolate. You're looking pretty rough. Oh, dude, it's, it's tough. It's tough. But I feel the grace of God on my life like so, so big time. Like I'm totally encountering, like I, like I really feel God's pleasure in what I'm doing. Yes. <laughs> don't, if you're going to fast, don't make a big deal on it. You don't have to post it on Twitter. You don't have to look all sad. It's about you and God. You're not giving up something to impress God with fasting. It is actually to help you focus in on God. You're going to fast Netflix for six weeks? That's great. That's a great way to focus on God. You might want to try that one. You don't have to take to the internet and tell everybody, I'm fasting Netflix. Just do it. Because it's not about everybody else. And that's the thing that Jesus is getting at. We're not trying to do something that boosts our standing with our tribe and our group of people in society and get us more likes. We're actually trying to experience the work of God inside where it changes us to be more like Jesus. Any spirituality that is just rooted in your ego is not doing the world any good. And honestly, some of the most popular Christianity in America, it just is stuff that feeds our ego. It's all about this external stuff. And Jesus is inviting us into an encounter with God, an encounter, a mystical experience with God in which these religious practices can actually help bring us spiritual formation, that we could actually become like Christ. But it's a hidden work. And I think one of the things I like about being married all these years, you know, Dina and I have been married like 21 years now, but it's like, (laughs) 
it's funny, like the the first year or two of marriage, you're you're kind of trying to impress each other a little bit, you know. You, you, after 21 years, all that's done with, you know. You're not trying to impress each other. The other person knows you exactly who you are. It doesn't mean like you, you know you you not, might want to dress up for a date or something, you know. You don't want to just be a complete slob, but. There is something so comforting in knowing this other person knows the best of me and the worst of me, and they still love me. And, and it's a beautiful thing to just be able to be with another person when you're in that place. It's not about impressing or ego or all this stuff. You can simply be that is a beautiful thing. And I think that's what God is trying to invite us into, how we can simply be at peace. And as we learn to live in that place, it spills out into our life to now when you get to your job and you've got deadlines and you've got things that you're working on, you're not, you can faithfully do your job without getting all caught up in your ego and making something big out of this job that it's not supposed to be. You can be secure. <laughs> you can be at Peace. You don't have to be moved by the opinions of others because you're simply doing things from the right motivation on the inside. Right in the middle of this teaching, Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer, which is a great, by the way, you know, with, with all these things that Jesus is talking about, the Lord's Prayer is a great place to start. To just, you know, when you want to sit with God, Maybe just start with the Lord's Prayer. Or there's another prayer from the Eastern Orthodox Church that I've been using a lot lately called the Jesus Prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I pray that over and over in my head. Have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. And, and, and I will find myself repeating that or walking down the trace and just saying that I'm opening my life to the mercy of Jesus Christ. And things shift. Things settle down. Right in the middle of this teaching on prayer, Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer. And this is what I want to end with today. So we're going to end with, with communion. And as we do, we're going to, to pray the Lord's Prayer. So why don't you stand up? As we get ready to come to the communion table this morning, we give thanks to God the Father for his extravagant love demonstrated to us for sending his son Jesus. We remember that Jesus, what Jesus accomplished on the cross for us, and we look to the bread and the cup as representations of the body and the blood of Jesus. Greater love has no one than this, that he give up his life for his friends. As we come to the table, we welcome the Holy Spirit to meet us here in a special way. The Spirit makes the crucified and risen Christ really present to us as we share communion. We also demonstrate and enact the unity of the body of Christ here and around the world today. As we are celebrating communion this morning, there are thousands, millions of Christians all over the world partaking of this same meal. And finally, we celebrate God's rule and reign and the promise of the future coming of Christ. This is not North Shore Vineyard's communion, but the Lord's communion. So all 
who simply come with some measure of faith in this moment are welcome to receive with us today. On the night on which he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took the bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He did the same thing with the cup after he had eaten, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you drink it, do this to remember me. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you broadcast the death of the Lord until he comes. Join me in praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen.